Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. It's Easter Sunday. Welcome to Calvary. We are so glad you're here. I'm just, uh, you just look great. I know everybody says that to everybody on Easter Sunday, but you look fantastic. Uh, Welcome. We hope that you've had already a great experience. You've got a high five or a handshake in the parking lot, and you've dropped the kiddos off, and they're learning about Jesus over there. It's just going to be a fun day all around. Before we dive into where God has for us to go in his word today, I do uh, uh, recognize that it would be, I would be remiss if I didn't just draw attention to some special guests that we have in the room here today, and I'm always honored to have the former pastor of the church here, Pastor David and Sherry Crabtree. Welcome, sir and ma'am. We're glad that you're here. I... uh, some people ask sometimes about transition and all that stuff, and I think this has just been, been awesome. Uh, we talked about it this morning, driving to church. We don't have any bigger cheerleaders in the world than Pastors David and Sherry, and uh, I, I love you, sir. I love you, ma'am, and uh, just honor what you have built here at Calvary, and uh, there are lives being changed because of men and women like these that have gone before us, and we've been saying the last couple of weeks that the story continues, right? Well, the story continues, and God's got some great things for us today. Well, it's Easter at Calvary, and we're glad that you're here. Today's the day that we do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And didn't you enjoy all the songs just with just reminding us that there is nothing that could stand against us in the power of that resurrection. But we don't just gather to celebrate. We are also compelled in, uh, to contemplate what implications this resurrection story can have on our lives today. Today, we start a three-week series Um, about the implications of this amazing and miraculous Savior and how we continue to have, he continues to have impact on this game of life. Do you remember the board game from back in the day? Some of you probably still have it in your closets or whatever. Uh, We're going to talk about this for the next couple weeks, about how this resurrection story is so much more than just a, a, a historical event. But this idea of the resurrection of Jesus really does have implications on this game of life. And so to kick our series off today, I want to introduce you to one of our newest families here, one of our new families here at Calvary, the Rodriguez family. And uh, they um, are just an incredible story of God's grace and what God is doing in and through families just like this here at Calvary. I want you to listen to the impact that an an experience with Jesus has on a family and the real-life implications as it relates to this game of life. Meet the Rodriguez family. Go ahead. Ada Rodriguez. Um, this is our, we, um, we met in 2006. We have three girls. Uh, our oldest, her name's Alani. 
middle child, her name's Abigail, and her baby girl, her name's Andrea. Um, so when we first started attending church back in 2007 was because of Alani, uh, her being so premature and so small, and us being new parents and, young. you know, young and inexperienced and, you know, of course we were excited to be parents, but never knew we were going to have the challenges that we were going to have. kind of you know uh, a product of my environment you know I was I was raised around it you know the gangs and you know drugs around rough neighborhood you know uh, kind of poor you know poverty and so it, it, it was tough growing up you know uh, you know I, I I smoke I smoked marijuana for years uh, it was it was like my choice of drug, uh, and uh, even you know when I when I met Ada, you know I was really in a in a bad place at that time, and I felt like God put her in my path for a reason. We decided to visit Calvary, and. Um one weekend in September and the day that we visited church we really felt something special that day um, we didn't plan or we didn't talk about you know it was just a visit to church let's go visit and see if we like this church and that day when Pastor John did the altar call and we both decided without even looking at each other that we wanted to give our life to God that day and it was a special day um, we felt at home we felt the love of God we felt the Holy Spirit that day calling us and um, we've been going ever since we came to a point in our life where we wanted to not have one foot in, one foot out type of relationship. relationship. Um, and we wanted to do it for our girls, for our family, to be able to give them a strong foundation in Christ. So, so I go to Calvary, you know, and, you know, I was, <clears throat> I mean, I was, I was sitting there fighting my demons and, and I go in and I'm still smoking pot. And, uh, first week I go to Calvary, you know, I live, I left Calvary that weekend and came home and, you know, I fired them up and I smoked and I went the following weekend and, uh, and I did the same thing again. That third week going to Calvary, I stopped smoking marijuana. You know, God gave me this new perspective to look at life, you know. I wanted to be different, you know, versus that guy that's, you know, I guess has a temper problem, you know. And God has, has really 
help me with that. You know, God's God's working in me in ways that I don't understand. Uh, but he's doing it, you know, and I don't have to understand it. I just have to put my trust and faith in him that he's leading me in the right direction. And he knows where I'm heading. I may not know where I'm heading, but he does. With God, it just feels so much more secure. And it's something that was missing in our marriage. The Jesus factor where I don't rely on my own understanding. He doesn't rely on his own understanding. We rely on God to show us and tell us and on his word of what our marriage should be. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to just be able to, to rely on Jesus and to know that no matter what is ahead of us, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine because we have him with us and we're going to have problems regardless, but I would rather have the problems that we have knowing that he's there with us knowing that we can come to him and we can pour out our heart and we can pray to him every day and that he will give us what we need and if it's a lesson that we have to learn then we'll then he'll give us enough understanding to to learn whatever lesson he's trying to teach us in our life Can you give them a hand for sharing their story? I've seen that several times now, and every time it just gets me. I love the transparency. I love the authenticity that you heard there in a a husband and a wife and a family navigating this game of life. It is not easy. And if anyone wants to tell you that, oh, you know what, you start serving Jesus, it'll just be roses and gumdrops and rainbows everywhere. Boy, uh, I want to I talk to them because it sometimes is a struggle, this game of life. And some of you say, well, Pastor John, it's Easter Sunday. You're supposed to be all about exciting and pastel colors and Easter bunnies, right? Um, but I'm telling you what, this resurrection story it does have implications for us to help us succeed in this, this life thing that he's put us in the middle of. So for the next few weeks, we are starting this week a series just called The Game of Life. And we're using, obviously, the metaphor of this, what some of you remember as the game there. And, and uh, it, was, it was just a fun game. Do you remember the game? How many, do you have the game still or whatever? No? Um, I, if, you're, if you're kind of out of the loop here, it's a board game. We used to play games not on screens. <laughs> we, yeah. I don't know why you're clapping at that, but uh, yeah, as you're playing, you're probably watching the Masters right now on that same app. I get it. I understand. Uh, jealousy right here. No. 
But we used to have these board games that we would play, and this particular one, it had this little little wheel, and boy, we're still like big Wheel of Fortune people, and so it was like a miniature Wheel of Fortune right in the middle, and you would spin this wheel, and based upon the number that would pop up on this wheel, that would determine whether or not you had happiness, whether or not you had a real job, whether or not some of you are like, man, I'll just take that with my young adult that's still living in my basement. Just give me the wheel, let them spin, you know, whatever. But it would determine whether or not your marriage was healthy. And sometimes if you, you know, fell in the wrong spot, it would determine whether you went bankrupt in your financial dealings. It would determine all these things about your life. It was funny because on the outside of the box of this game, it had phrases like instant setup easy play. And then my favorite, it said, your life, your way. And boy, what a joke that was, right? It was almost as if it was just this arbitrary thing. And for some of us, we've come into this season, possibly even of our lives. Maybe you're in a rough patch right now and you you might be able to say, Pastor John, I feel like I've been I've been spinning that wheel a little bit, and man, I'm just, I'm, I'm coming up zonks on everyone to, to mix a couple different game shows together there, right? Um, it just feels like the method that you may have been using in life was this arbitrary, it's all luck, just go with the flow, just whatever happens, happens. There's nothing you can do about it anyway. It's all just karma. It's all, and that is one way to approach life. The other method that may be, be represented in the room here today is those that would say, oh, no, there's no luck about it. you got to roll up your sleeves and put on your work boots and go hard work and perseverance and that, that strong work ethic. You know, if you work hard enough, you can be successful in all that you do. And I'm here today to tell you that it could just be that both of those methods may be off. What if both of those ways were in fact destined to fail? The, ah, it's just luck, spin a wheel, whatever, or if you work hard enough, you'll succeed at this game of life. What if both of those ways happen to be opposed to you finding your true purpose and calling in life. What if God prepared for us another strategy to, quote, win at this game of life? What if? You see, when we come to this Easter Sunday morning, some of you may already be thinking, man, this is the weirdest message on Easter. You're using a board I don't understand. Here's the, here's the connection to where we're at at Easter. It is one thing to come into a time when we celebrate what is the most historic event on the face of the planet. This man named Jesus, he really did walk this earth. He was, he was born of a virgin. He was born in such a miraculous situation that was incredible. He lived his whole life in, in a way that was without sin to give us the pattern. And then he was crucified on a cross. He was resurrected on the third day, which means that he, he came back to life again. But the only question that that may should pop into our minds as it relates to looking at that historical event should be, so what? 
What impact does that have for you? And the truth of it is, is that God allowed his only son to go through such a terrible um, end of his life and then have such an incredible re-emergence from, from death to life so that we could as well be reconciled to him in our life and succeed in this life that he has given to us. This resurrection is not just an event to look back on. It really does have impact on the game of life. And if you're here today just to to hear another retelling of history, it's a little bit of bait and switch because we've got you in the room and now we're gonna take you to this next step to answer the question, so what? So what? Well, the truth of it is you heard even in this video that we shared from the Rodriguez family, Arturo and Ada, I love them. They're just passionate transparency. But honestly, we could have all told a similar story. We could have all filled in the blank our struggles. We could have all filled in the blank our victories. And we would have said, you know what, here's, here's the journey that I'm on as well. This game of life is a struggle It is a a wrestling with different areas of our lives that God says, hey, I've got an idea. I've got a successful strategy for you to win and succeed in this. But it's really tough sometimes. Paul provides for us a foundation for this series that allows us to understand where we're heading the next couple weeks. In Romans chapter seven, he says it this way. He says, I have discovered this principle of life. Wouldn't that be great if he then gave us the key to everything. Instead, he kind of goes really negative right here. And Paul uh, is very transparent. He says that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Some of you say, you just described my teenager that's living at home right now. In fact, I don't even know if they want to do what is right. They just maybe, well, he had a struggle too. Verse 22, it says, I love God's law with all of my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war within my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. That's a struggle. That's as if we're playing this game of life and like the, the, the wheel is broken. There is, that's a real tough spot to be in. How do we reconcile this? He goes on and he, he, he digs this hole even deeper. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Well, thank you, Pastor John, for all your encouragement today. You've been a blessing to us, right? And yet he keeps going. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? How do I win? And he gives us the answer. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we that understand how that applies to our life, we say, yes, And yet there may be some of you in the room that at seasons of life, and this may be one of them, you would say, huh, sounds great, looks cool on the screen, Pastor John, but that just really is not how my life is playing out right now. And the recognition of that struggle is where we're going to go for the next couple of weeks. How do we win at this game of life when there seems to be this inner struggle that's called like the flesh and the spirit that we all have, no matter how long we've served the Lord and how long we've followed Jesus, there's this struggle. And it is our um, opportunity today to recognize that this resurrection story, it really does have implications for us today. 
Paul goes on and he says it this way. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature living in this world, I feel like I'm still just a slave to sin. I won't ask for a show of hands because honestly, we could probably all raise our hands and how many of you have felt that way? But the truth is, is that this struggle is something that is significant for each and every one of us. In this three-week series, we're gonna tackle this question that Paul dealt with. How do we win in this game of life? Is it really as simple as just trading one strategy for another? The, well, it's all luck, I'm just gonna spin the wheel, or oh, I'm gonna roll my sleeves up and work hard. If we trade that in for this strategy that God provides for us in his word, and I think the overwhelming answer that I'm gonna be bold enough to just speak it into your life today, the answer to that question is yes. The answer is easy. The application of it into our lives, boy, that's why I'm glad God's given me you and me and us in community to work this out and walk this out together because the game of life was not meant to be played like solitaire. The game of life was not meant to be played on your own. I got it. I can work this out. It's all good. No, 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 no. The game of life was meant to be played with you and me and us working out these struggles just like Paul did when he said, Ah, uh, I want to do what's right, but my body, uh, uh, I, my heart wants to go here, but my mind, uh, and the struggle plays out. How do we win? Well, I think the answer, obviously, Paul said the answer is in Jesus, but it has to do not just in saying, wow, we believe about Jesus, but we understand the why behind the resurrection. Why was that so significant? Paul goes on in this to give us it's almost like it's the cheat code. It's the, the hack in this game. It's, the, it's the, the Google the sheet and to figure out how to cheat right in the game. You guys do that with some of your app games. And then you send a text to your wife and say, hey, I won. Wordle. Yeah, there's cheats on there. Let me tell you, I'm still convinced my wife cheats in that game. I just know it. That's, she's glaring at me right now. I can tell. Paul gives us this life hack as it relates to this this idea of this game of life. When he says, how can you do that? Well, yes, the answer is Jesus, but it goes beyond that. In Romans chapter eight, he says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that was able to resurrect the risen savior, Jesus Christ, that spirit, when you begin a relationship with God through Jesus, that spirit lives in you. And if that spirit was able to raise that man from the grave, I think he can handle some of the things that you and I struggle with as well. Does it mean it's easy? No, but the key is there. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Boy, this idea of life is huge because we've heard words from Jesus that says, I didn't come just that you may have life, but life more abundantly, that you could win when you recognize this communication uh, and this connection with the spirit of the Lord living in through you. It's possible, not easy, but it's possible. What if we really got serious about trading our strategy for his? 
I tell you what, people in this triad, they'd be changed. They'd be, be transformed because men and women like you in this room would be walking into Target and Chick-fil-A to eat the Lord's chicken, right? And you would be, be praying for people and it would be these moments where God would use us and, and like he is already doing in those opportunities, but it would just begin to exponentially increase when people begin to win in this game of life. Paul goes on, he says, but there are these things, Romans chapter eight, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, is it as simple as thinking about these sinful things? Keep going and you understand those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We're gonna go on a journey for these next couple weeks. In the next few weeks, I'm gonna have a guest with me that's gonna help probably fix some of the mistakes that I'm gonna be teaching, but my wife and I, we're gonna tag team preach for the next weeks, a couple weeks, because you're gonna see some of the issues we're dealing with are gonna be very well handled with uh, uh, hopefully a a healthy husband and wife approach to this, right? Um, So it's going to be fun. But we're going to see how that we can win in this game of life. And some of the different areas that we're going to tackle, I want to just kind of give you a little heads up where we're heading. So this idea of the virtues, the biblical virtues and some of these vices, today we're going to talk about anger and forgiveness, how that the opposite of anger is, is the forgiveness that God offers us to experience between each other and from him to us in that this idea of pride and humility It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. It's probably the root, the foundation of of what what allowed um, the devil in in, in Satan and the character in in the the, the angel that was fallen, right? That has this glorious angel when he began to think too much of himself, right? And I can be like God. This was a foundational sin that led to this. How do we trade that in for humility? Apathy, I don't even care. Spin the wheel, it's luck. Versus diligence and versus pursuing Jesus with our heart. Boy, here's a big one that we're gonna, we're gonna wrestle with and struggle through and, and learn together how the Bible talks about dealing with lust and self-control. And men and women, I used to just say men, but men and women, it is possible. It is possible to be victorious over this area of your life. It is possible to trade in your strategy for God's and win. We're going to talk about that. This idea of entitlement, it's do me, right? We're going to talk about trading that in for gratitude. I love this next one. Perception management. That's like a real uh, complicated phrase to say, how many likes and followers can we have on our social media feeds? And we, we do it all the time, right? We even did it at Egg Day yesterday. We had this cute little photo booth. It was so funny. I was watching all these families put their their kids who are like screaming and crying and ready to go home and all this stuff and they plop them up there on the bench and then they like force them to smile for like a millisecond when they take that picture and then they post it. What an awesome day at at egg day. And they're like, that kid was throwing a, a Reese's Pieces at Mach 4 at mom two seconds before. And But it, we do this thing all the time, perception management versus this idea of authenticity. Wouldn't it be great for us to just say, this is just who I am, <laughs> whatever. Some of you are like, oh, Pastor John, don't do that. Just have a little bit of control there, a little bit, whatever. But this idea of perception management versus authenticity, we're gonna wrestle with that. Busyness versus rest. The idea of Sabbath is biblical. And the idea that we would say, never take a day off, and we all work all the time, then we think that's a trophy. 
Dads and moms, if you're, if you're portraying that into your family, what you're really saying is my hard work is more important than the rest that God allows for me to have in Scripture to your kiddos, and they are not learning a biblical virtue. They're actually learning a strategy that's going to fail you and them in life, we're going to talk about that. This is one that God has been wrestling and dealing with me, and I'm excited to share a little bit of my testimony and story that the other day, I won't go here too hard because I'll start breaking again. I sit in my office the other day, and I said to my wife, I said, Something broken me. And she's like, wow, what? You know, what are we, are we having this talk here? You know, it was like, what's going on? No, it's a good breaking. And, and there was just this cynicism in my heart towards just, and I won't get into it, but it was just, God broke that in my heart. And I'm just like, it just does a shift from cynicism to optimism. And so that's kind of the roadmap of where we're going for the next couple of weeks and this idea of winning in the game of life. There's a thought, though, that kind of has the overview for the whole thing, and that's this. We all have a propensity towards vices. We all do. Maybe not all of them the same way, right? Some of you may say, perception management, I don't even know what that is, right? So I don't, I don't struggle with that. But some of those other things you hit, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. We all have a, we're, we're all flesh. We all struggle just like Paul did. Yet, through the same spirit that raised Jesus, we have the strength to successfully pursue, maybe not just, all, and boy, until we meet Jesus face to face and we have a new body, right? We're gonna be in this struggle all the time and maybe we're not gonna be perfect, but we're going to be being perfected and we can pursue these biblical virtues. I believe it's possible. So today, here we go. Let's dive in. Number one, we're going to talk about this. Two of them today. If we've got time, I'm looking at the clock. Early service, the monitors all went out. And so I was just, I was loving it. There was no timer on me. It was great. There's, the rope is there today. I see it. So I know where we're at. Anger and forgiveness. Anger. You say, Pastor John, I don't really struggle with this anger issue too much. I'm just happy all the time. Well, there are some of you in this room that are that way. In fact, I could look across the room and I could catch eye contact with some of you. And I just, I just want to be close to you because you're so smiley and you're so laughable and you're so happy all the time, right? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you because the bruises from your spouse would be really too hard to, to handle. But there are those people. I probably am not one of those people. Like this is an area that I, I want to, but it's that struggle, right? On the same side, I will say this, the anger has not really been that thing that I've struggled with. I know men and women, some people, have, you know, they have the short fuse, and I, but, but it's not, that's not necessarily been my walk necessarily, but I know that there are those that really struggle. Here's what I will say, however, and for the, some of you that are my age or maybe a little bit above, just I'm going to go here just a little bit. I have noticed that as these little things on my head, these little hairs get a little grayer, that I do struggle with this a little bit more. I am starting to turn into the grumpy old get off my lawn guy. I, I'm telling you, my kids point it out and I don't know what happens. And I think all of us that are 50 and above, it's because we know how things should be, right? And when things aren't that way, we just, uh, like, listen, whippersnapper, I know how you should be and whatever. And if we're not careful, men and women that are my age and older, if we're not careful, what, what we have not struggled with in our younger days begins to creep in. And if we're not careful, we have a, a lack of ability to forgive and have grace for people. And we become the grumpy old men. 
Oh, I shouldn't have said we, I. Let me just take it all on myself here because you're obviously perfect in those areas. Anger, it causes us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. I just wanna give you a little bit of a, uh, an understanding statement here too, um, just for you to recognize. It could very well be that you struggle with this issue because of, and I'll use this, this metaphor of, the, of a, a relay race, it could be that you struggle with this issue because the baton of that anger management or the baton of how you deal with anger that was passed to you from previous generations could have been really unhealthy, healthy and an unhealthy situation. It could be that the reason why you struggle with this so much and have that propensity towards is because the example that you've seen all your life is someone that just gets like anger and short temper and fly off. And some of you that are in this room are, are living, and I just want to have as much compassion and empathy and not try to be... Um, silly about this at all, but some of you are living in a situation where, where there's been abuse because of someone that does not understand how to deal with this idea of anger. You see, the idea of having that anger is not necessarily a sin in itself, but what it causes us to do. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. And so we have to recognize that there is an emotion, a passionate emotion that we can, we can figure out a way to deal with it. And a lot of times, it's in shifting from being angry to saying, I'm going to choose to forgive that person. You say, Pastor John, they don't deserve it. Neither did you. And there is a connection. There is a very obvious connection to our ability to forgive others and God's ability to forgive us. I'll show you in Scripture here in just a minute. This idea of anger, it causes us to do crazy, crazy things. I... Uh, Growing up, uh, growing up, when our kids were growing up, I, I, I told you I didn't have an issue with anger except for this one situation that I want to tell you a little story. Um, when it was about 20 or so years ago, our two older kiddos were, were in soccer, right? They played soccer and they had a blast. It was awesome. At one particular time, I was coaching Chandler's team and, and Kim actually coached Chelsea's. Kim's actually a better soccer player than any of us. She played at intramural at A&M, and she's like Mia Hamm, all whatever. And she goes, yeah, don't say that. Anyway, yeah, she's giving me that look again, but she's good, right? And uh, so we, we did soccer, and there was this game that Chandler, my son, was playing. Chelsea, my oldest daughter, was um, not playing that game, but she was just running around the outside of the park. It's like soccer. You know, you're just like, oh, it's family at the park day. And they were, my son was really young. I don't know, probably six or seven years old at this time. And so we called it amoeba ball, right? There was no position. They just all kind of go around. And, and if they kick the ball, it's like, yeah, it's awesome. Except if you're the opposing coach that we were going up against that day. And um, we had some names for him, but I'm going to call him um, Superman Soccer Coach Day. Is that better, Kim? She, gave, she coached me on what name to call him in the, the message. Uh, so we're going to just call him Superman Soccer Coach today. And so he was the overly aggressive. Like these kids are six and seven years old, but in his mind, it was the World Cup Brazil and Argentina, right? It was like he, was, he had the whiteboard out and like sketching out plays, and the kids are out there picking dandelions and all this stuff. And he's just going, you know, crazy. And this, he's just like, rah, rah, rah. and of course his son's on the team and he's just going nuts in this situation. And our kids are just, you know, they're just kind of skipping around and do whatever. 
but Superman soccer coach is going crazy over there. So there was a play when I'm sitting in my little lawn chair, I wasn't, you know, coaching or anything, and I'm just minding my own business, not being angry, get off my lawn guy, right? My daughter's running around the field, and there's a play where the end line of the soccer, uh, the, the field, the pitch, right? And of course, at that age, you can't really call it a pitch because it's like six feet long or whatever, but um, it's there. Superman soccer coach is over here, and the ball comes down to the end of the, the field here, and my daughter is playing with her friends, really probably too close to the field, but my goodness, they're kids, no big deal, right? Unless you're Superman soccer coach or whatever over here. And so the little girls are over here playing. The ball goes, and it goes beyond the end line of the field, right? So if my daughter's over here and a ball comes rolling to her, what's she going to do? kick it right back into the field, right? Well, she's like, hey, cool, ball, kick, yeah, whatever. She's not even playing the game. And we're like, yeah, good kick, Chelsea, you know, it's awesome. The ball goes back into the field and the other boys, you know, just think, oh, ball's back in play, let's go, right? So the boys kick the ball and score a goal. My team goes crazy, except Superman soccer coach, <laughs> he was intense, like, you would have thought we had just robbed him of World Cup glory, right? And he started going off. And the little 16-year-old girl that was probably making $7 an hour refing the soccer game, you know, and she's just like, can you just get this game over with? I'm going to go hang out at the mall or whatever. She's just doing that. And he started going after her like crazy. And then he shifted his anger to the, all the, the parents on this side of the field, right, including myself. And then... And then he started pointing his finger at my little girl. Ooh, oh, come on, you guys, you can help me. You don't even know where their story's going, and you know where their story's going, don't you? I do not have a problem with anger. My name is John, and I don't have a problem with anger. You know, that kind of I'm sitting there, and I hear this other man start yelling at my little girl, and he didn't know who she was, and pointing fingers and waggling his Superman soccer coach finger at her and saying, blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, church, your pastor, this graceful, humble, non-competitive, and I'm going to have to repent for lying. Before I knew it, I was out of my chair across the middle of that soccer field, shoving children out of the way. Not really. That wasn't, that just sounded good. But I remember getting into the spot where I'm face to face with this guy and I start doing the poke the chest thing or whatever. And I'm telling you, he's a big dude, right? And I was not smart and he could have kicked my tail. And I did not have Don Eason backing me up. I wish I would have, but it would have been, I would have been braver than that. But I didn't have anybody there and I just remember in the moment, it was something like, like, I was so angry. Don't you dare talk to my little girl like that. She's just having fun. Blah, 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 blah. And I was just going at him. And then I turned around. As soon as I turned around, I'm, I'm not even, this isn't, I'm, I promise this is like, a, I'm not trying to Jesus juke you on this story at all. But as soon as I turned around, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And it, and it just was about this issue right here. He says, Really? In front of all of these families that you're trying to be a witness to, you're going to blow up over a soccer game? And all the way back, my tail tucked between my legs. I'm just walking back to my chair. I sit down quietly. Kim's sitting over there. Just I can't imagine the thought bubble above her head trying to figure out how in the world she's going to actually go home with me. <laughs> and it was like, oh, whatever. 
And I just remember sitting the rest of the day in that, that game going, how am I going to fix this? You know how I fixed it? Right here. I remember after the game, I walked right over to the guy and I could call his name. It wasn't Superman soccer coach. And I actually know him and we're friends to, to, today and, and long story. Um, but I just apologized to him. I said, I just lost my cool. I'm so sorry. I, that was the, the most ridiculous thing I've ever done. I, I feel embarrassed. I, I'm ashamed of what I've done. And I, I blew up at you and I didn't have the right to do that. Please forgive me. And he's like, well, sure, you know, whatever. You know, he was just kind of whatever. It wasn't about his response, it was about my heart. I went around and I got the, all the crowd, uh, the, the, the parents at the stands, and I just said, guys, I'm so sorry I embarrassed you. I humiliated our team. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. That'll never happen again. And there was an element of, of kind of a, a deep thing happening there, but God had to do it in me first to kind of push this forgiveness thing to the forefront and, and let it take the place of anger. My question to you today is, who today is really needing your forgiveness even though they don't deserve it? Because the truth of it is, it's really of eternal significance. It's more than just a cute little soccer game. Matthew's gospel says it this way, if you're angry with, angry with someone, you're in danger of judgment. Wow, there's a heaviness there. Matthew also says further on in chapter six, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. You talk about this game of life and and trading these vices for virtues. And I'm not telling you it's easy, but I am telling you it's freeing. When you get to the point of saying, I release the right to be angry with that person because I know that they they deserve it, right? They've caused me such hurt. But there is a freedom in your relationship with Jesus that comes when you take upon yourself the nature of Christ himself. When When he humbled himself and said, you know what, I forgive And it's not easy, but it's powerful. It's an opportunity for us to trade in anger for forgiveness. Question and application for our life. How do you struggle with anger in your life? Not do you, but how do you? We all struggle with these issues. Are you carrying around unresolved anger or bitterness? And what step can you take to actively, not just, you know, eh, maybe, but what do you need today to go forgive somebody that may not need your or deserve your forgiveness. Anger and forgiveness, it's one of the keys to winning this game in life. And let me go quickly into point number two, and then I've got a, a friend that's gonna help me conclude today. Pride and humility. Pride is the very thing that caused, we mentioned it earlier, Satan to fall. In fact, First Peter tells us this unique dynamic in the difference uh, the, the letter that Peter wrote between pride and humility. He said it this way, all of you dress yourselves in humility. Put on that garment of humility as you relate to one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God isn't just against, he opposes. In fact, it's so this imagery of, of us, if we put pride in, in, on as a garment, it's as if the almighty God, the creator of the universe, is, is pushing his, his finger on the, the deck, so to speak, to oppose us. 
Wow, that's, in, that's intense to think that there could be a, a, a struggle that we would wrestle with so much that if we would, would ever find victory in that, it would be as if we would be removing the opposition of God himself and we would receive the grace, the unmerited favor that we don't deserve. We could receive that grace from him simply by trading in pride uh, our pride for humility. When we clothe ourselves in humility, others are more important than ourselves. And then we become more like Jesus. We have uh, another application of that, and that, that that is this, that sometimes pride manifests itself or it shows up in what may look like kind of the opposite of I'm proud. The opposite of that is I'm ashamed. And sometimes when we have so much shame of what we have done in our past or our life or our current reality, that it kind of cloaks itself, it masks itself in this pride that beefs up, right, and says, oh, I've got to be this so that you won't see my shame. And both of those areas are, are significantly bad because they point everything to you. And it's not about you. It's about the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you. And this pride and shame dynamic is really, really significant. There's a young man in the church here that um, has got a call of God just to to, to use his gifts in this area of, of ministry. And we have this ministry called Fine Arts. And the other day we had a, a competition. It's actually here as a competition. They, kids all over the state presented their, their gifts. And Max Mason won, like the district, the, the state for short sermon. And when he, and he preached this message in this room, and as soon as he preached it, I was like, that's Easter Sunday morning. That, that message of laying down your shame is a, is a word from God through a young man that God wants us to hear today. So would you do me a favor and welcome Max Mason as he comes and helps me conclude here today. Awesome. Go get him, Max. Hey, everybody. Can you hear me all right? Sweet. Well, I don't know about you, but I was looking at this list that Pastor John had up, and I really saw myself on the left side, and I didn't see as much on the right. So how many of you guys were going through the same thing when that list was up there? Well, shame is something that everyone will battle with at some point in their life. I've personally struggled a lot with the terrible cycle of overwhelming shame, sin leading to shame, and shame right back to sin. That shame was suffocating. It made me feel hopeless and stuck and distant from God. And it wasn't until I learned how to deal with that shame that I was able to experience all of the freedom given to me through Jesus. Shame keeps us from experiencing all the fullness of God. It keeps us from going out and doing God's work and growing and becoming more like Jesus. It makes us feel so trapped when really all we have to do is accept God's forgiveness because he's standing there calling our name, waiting with open arms. In Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, David writes, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. David wrote this psalm after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. Can you imagine the terrible shame he must have been feeling? He goes on to tell us how awful it was keeping that sin a secret until he confessed, and that is when he found forgiveness. David didn't earn that forgiveness. 
is a gift from God because we can never earn his forgiveness, but we can accept it joyfully. And the song gives us three truths to remember so we can have joy instead of shame. First, because our disobedience has been forgiven. The burden of our guilt has been lifted off of our shoulders. Second, because our sin has been put out of sight, separated as far as the east is from the west. And third, because our record has been cleared of guilt. Aren't you glad that we have a God that holds nothing against us? And because of that, the psalm says, we can rejoice. We no longer have to hide in shame, but we're free to live in complete honesty. So let's take a closer look at how David dealt with shame. First, he messed up, as we all mess up. And then he was convicted by the Holy Spirit. In Psalm 32, verse 3, he writes, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. We feel the weight of our sin weighing down on us, but we also feel the Holy Spirit leading us to confess that sin. And then we see David repented, and he confessed two times. In 2 Samuel 12, he confessed to Nathan, and in Psalm 32, he confessed to God. He repented, he confessed to God, and he confessed to a friend, and then he accepted that forgiveness, rejoiced in it, and continued to live in complete honesty. It's vital that we figure out how to accept God's forgiveness. What would have happened if David had stopped ruling because of his shame, or if Paul hadn't spread the gospel because of his past mistakes? See, Not forgiving yourself is the same as not forgiving others. Forgiveness isn't just something God does. It's part of who he is. So to deny God's forgiveness is to deny God. It's to hold yourself hostage while he's trying to set you free. So how should we deal with our shame? First, we confess to God. 1 John 1.9 says, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we confess to God, we're forgiven and we're purified and only God has the power to do that. But we're also told, second, to confess to others. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Confessing to others brings comfort and healing. And third, we're told to repent. Matthew 3, 8 says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It's when we turn from our sins and actively focus on following Jesus continuously over and over each time we sin. That is when we make real change. And fourth, we can affirm God's truth. Remind yourself of his promises, of his love for you, of his plans for you, of your hope in him. Pastor Craig Rochelle has a great one. He says, The devil only reminds me of my past because he's afraid of my future. Or in Micah Tyler's song, Walking Free, I still get knocked down, but the difference now is that's not where I stay. It's such a relief when we learn to deal with our shame. We're able to bounce back from our sins. We can go out and do God's work. We can grow and become more like Jesus. We can Keep on walking. We can be free. So let's put down our shame and let's rejoice. Thanks so much. Those two go together. 
Let me conclude with this, give you a few questions. How do you struggle with pride in your life? You find yourself consumed by your own feelings, desires, or by those of others. How can you grow in humility today? The truth of it is, is the, the story of the resurrection and Jesus on the cross and that sacrifice is the ultimate story of humility. It's someone that said, I don't deserve this. They do, but I'll take their place. I'll take their place on the cross. Paul said it. We read it earlier. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you do me a favor today? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? The reason why we do that is just so you won't be distracted um, and just can focus on what God may be speaking to you today. See, this message today about how we struggle and walk through this game of life, it, it has incredible, um, the, the only way it's successful is for the resurrection if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would be in us, he would give life to our bodies and give us the ability to succeed and have that abundant life that he, that he promises for us. Some of you may be in this room today and you have yet to begin, to begin that relationship with Jesus. And to those of you, if you find yourself in that position, boy, I would just say you're in the right spot because God's got you in a place of men and women who, who love Jesus. Some in this room have been following Jesus for many years. Some are just new in the journey too. But either, either way, we just love to walk this journey out with you. So we're going to pray a prayer here in just a minute for, for Jesus to come into our hearts, to forgive us of our sins, and to begin a new life today. And I'd love to include you together in that prayer if that is where you're at. And so if you're here today, or maybe you're joining us online, and you say, I've never began a relationship with Jesus. You put this list up on the screen and those vices that are there, those sins, they were really prominent in my life and they're keeping me from a relationship with God. And the great thing about Jesus and his resurrection, he says, I've paid the price. I already won. Like the winning is not even anything you can do. I've already done it. And all we have to do is accept that. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor John, would you just include me in that closing prayer of asking Jesus to come into to my life and beginning afresh and anew today? Every head bowed and eyes closed around just so nobody gets, gets distracted by anybody else. If that's you and say, would you include me in that prayer? Would you do me the honor of, of allowing me to recognize you just by raising your hand right where you're at all over this room? Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Yes, anybody else all over the room, we just would love to include you together in that prayer. Amen. Anybody else? I want to give a few seconds. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. If you're joining with us online, there's an opportunity for you as well. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand. There's an opportunity for you online to connect as well. I'm going to give just a few more seconds. So Pastor John, include me in that prayer to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to begin my life afresh and anew today. Amen. 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 Church, would you stand with me all over the room? All over the room, would you stand? We're going to pray this prayer. Don't begin moving around just yet. There are several people in this in the room today. And as we stand, I do said nobody moving around, but those that are on the prayer team, would you begin to, to make your way to the front and the back and find your places? And as they do, we're going to pray a prayer. And if you raised your hand, um, we're all going to pray the prayer together. 
But if you've raised your hand, you said, you know what, I want to start my life anew. And the posture of your heart is say, hey, I just want to start my life fresh. That when we, we agree with the, the sacrifice that Jesus made and we accept that forgiveness, the Bible says that old things are gone and the new has come. And it's just like that. It's instant. God, that, that, that moment of salvation is there. And then he says, hey, why don't you go on this journey of life and I'll, I'll give you the strength to help you do that. So we're going to pray together with those that raise their hand and those that maybe say, you know what, I didn't raise my hand, but that's the desire of my heart. It's great. It's awesome. We'd love to, to pray that, that prayer with you as well. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, let's pray. Church, pray together with me and those that raise their hands. Would you just repeat these, these words after me and let's pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I accept your gift of forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today, I make you the savior of my life. Forgive me, make me new. I'll live for you from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The Bible says that when we pray a prayer like that, that when we admit our, our sins and confess, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that the old is gone away and the new is, is come and there's a newness in your life. And then there's another scripture that says when, when one person comes home from repentance and, and gets their life, the angels celebrate. Now, you're, you're not angels, but let's celebrate today, right? Hallelujah. 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 There's beauty in that. And I want to just ask you the reason why we have friends up here at the front that, that, that every week we just want to pray. And there's some at the front and there's some at the back underneath those, those banners that just say pray. Is there, there's one, boy, God's word is true that instantly, yes, the forgiveness is there. And then life begins. And this whole life begins part is where the body of Christ, where us, where we come into play. And we say, hey, let's, let's do this together. We don't want you to walk alone. So if you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, would you do us the honor of, of just connecting and maybe shaking a hand and saying, hey, I prayed that prayer today. I asked Jesus into my heart and we would love to walk that out with you. One of the ways that we do that is through those connect cards. And I know sometimes like, I don't wanna feel my name out for anything. Here's what that does is it just gives us the opportunity to reach out and say, hey, let's Let's take the next step. We're not going to blast you with email, spam, and all that stuff, but we are going to take seriously what you have, have said that you wanted to do in your life today, and we don't count that lightly. So it's going to be a great thing. So as, as we conclude, if you have a need other than that, that you just want a, a friend to pray together with you, the Bible says that the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, that it avails, it is successful, it avails much. It's it's the real deal. And if there's a sickness or a need in your body today, we would love to pray together with you as well. God's good. Amen. So next week, next week, we're going to talk about the next three on this list. Pastor Kim and myself, we're going to tag team it. And we're going to talk about some, some issues that are pretty heavy. And we're going to see how God can allow us to win in this game of life. I hope you'll be back and go with us on this journey as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you in your coming and in your going. And may you and your families be a reflection of God's grace in your community, in this family, and all over the triad. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great Easter day. We love you. God bless you.